Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. Okay, it looks like we are live on YouTube, and now I'm just going to wait for the little bar to go across the screen on my web browser, so that way it brings up the live stream, and then I start hearing myself freak out and then close the web browser. Right on. That's about how this goes. There we go. I'm just going to wait for, and then I close the web browser. So that was awesome. pretty uh, That was pretty dead on. Okay, so welcome, everyone, to another installment of MSP Webinars. Uh, I'm Steve Taylor, and uh, it's Thursday, and I feel great. And we have a special guest with us today, George Bardisi. Ray, Ray made it. I think I should demote Ray, though, unless Ray wants to be a panelist. No, nope, he demoted himself. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of Ray, Ray unfortunately has a lot going on since he is in Miami. Um, he he needs to focus on family, friends, clients, and and just kind of make sure that everyone is going to be taken care of with uh, the impending hurricane. So he asked that um, we we find a new presenter for this week, and hopefully, as long as the hurricane doesn't take him to Oz or somewhere else, uh, we'll have him back on here next week. So with that, we have George Bardisi joining us, and George is the CEO of BVoip. And he's going to educate us on uh, using voice over IP telephone service as just another um, tool in the bag when it comes to managed services and uh, just one more way to get all of your customers' money. So with with that, I'm going to pass it over to George. Feel free to, to tell them more about yourself and just dive right in, man. Right on. Thanks a lot, Steve, uh, Ray, and anyone over in Florida. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully stay safe and, you know, get out of Dodge, right? Anyway, uh, just jumping back into uh, in the story. Um, so a little bit about myself that I'll go into, uh, you know, what, what my background is. So uh, like probably many of you on this webinar, um, I started an MSP, an IT company, uh, uh, an IT guy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in 2000, 2001 in Philadelphia, or suburban Philadelphia, uh, don't live uh, really downtown proper, about 30 minutes north, um, which, hey, Ray, it's not the boonies, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyway, uh, in this kind of cool, you know, 95 corridor, um, and, you know, Philadelphia is obviously right there in the middle of uh, Northern Virginia, D.C., Baltimore, uh, New York, uh, Boston, and, and Pittsburgh. So I tend to be in a car uh, really often. Uh, but anyway, so I started back in 2000, 2001, um, you know, one man Joe, just like everyone does. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I grew through the industry just like probably everyone else did. I did projects. I did break fix. I did some stuff covered. I did some stuff not covered. I did bronze, gold, silver. And then finally today, you know, current day, we are now an all inclusive, right? Either an all in. Or an all out. I, I don't play this. Hey, we're going to give you a service and then, 
you know, hope that that service grows into other things. And, and maybe that's stingy of us, but it's nice to be able to selectively, you know, onboard customers that fit uh, rather than try and be everything to everybody. So I, I've been through the pain. I've had to go through that whole process and uh, fire customers and on, find new customers and, and just really get into the, the mold of an all-inclusive base package that fits most people. And then really you just tack on the pieces um, that, that, you know, are above that to uh, handle your customer because uh, of whatever vertical they're in. Maybe there's a special requirement or whatever it may be. So the reason why all of this is important is because, um, you know, and, and I'm going to bring, bring up the reason why uh, this is a pain point for MSPs. And, and granted, I went through a lot of this, you know, in the mid to late 2000s, but I think a lot of it still pl- applies today. Um, so ultimately from my MSP came pain. Um, we early on, like probably a lot of other people, um, tried to take the managed services approach before managed services was a marketing term. Cause in my mind, that's really what it is. I, I, I know people will say it's a state of mind, business methodology, whatever. At the end of the day, it just comes down to cloud is a marketing term. Managed services is a marketing term. It, it's, it's taking what's there and, and, packaging it right but at the end of the day early early 2000s when we first started our company um we tried to take the flat rate approach but we're really novice to it right i mean we're still doing project break fix take anything you can you know you start your company you're just trying to pay the bills and at the end of the day what it comes down to is three years in after a trying to put out a flat rate approach right you go into a company you pitch them to outsource everything to you rather than hiring somebody internally and you give them a number to try and entice them to come on board. And immediately you don't necessarily define what that number means. And then now you're everything, right? You have to deal with the copier and the printer and the do- and the postage meter and the door, the front door, you know, lobby, you know, system. And, and it just it explodes on you, right? Because you didn't properly define what you were trying to do. And it's not just desktops and workstations and so on. So by tr- in the process of us doing everything for everybody, we were trying to take this flat fee approach. And one of the things that was very evident to us was we, three years into that approach, were struggling to generate uh, a profitability, right? We were just losing our shirt. And we were trying to figure out why. And, and really, the, you know, that's where the numbers all come into the play, right? So you hit your system, you start trying to do some sort of you know, research, lookup, analytics, uh, you try and figure out, you know, categories and where's all the, the, the pain and, and the, the, the noise coming from. And three years into our company, what, you know, specifically attacking the flat rate, all-inclusive guys, we found that um, the phone system enigma, now again, granted, this was 03, 04 at this point, the phone system problem had just really burned to the point where it was 38% of our total help desk time spent annually. Um, That's a problem. As an MSP, you can't really spend that much time on any one category because you're just responsible for way too much, right? And you can't spend too much time in any one area. And so at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that was problematic for us was when you go in and you just deal with it, right? Because you can't, not deal with it at this point. I think it's just an, a necessary reality to everyone that there's a gray area, right? Everyone is in this is in the situation where everyone is in the situation where um, 
you know, there's no more the phone guy in a lot of metros, in a lot of areas. There's no more the IT guy. There's no more the copier guy. It's all becoming kind of jumbled in between. But back then, there was the phone guy, right? And so we spent too much time dealing with that nightmare, right? The finger pointing game. Hey, it's your problem. No, it's my problem. Hey, now we have to come on site together to figure out what's going on. And the unexpected truck roll is kryptonite, right? I mean, to this business, if you're sending somebody out on site and it's unplanned and you're just trying to get your customer to stop screaming at you because you know the phone's not programmed properly, that's an issue. So back in 0304, I remember at one point, when we went back and realized that this was our top pain point as a company, trying to figure out why we were not making money, we at, at one point were managing 39 different manufacturers on the phone system front, right? You'd walk in the door, you'd figure out what they had, you just tried to make it work. And it's just not manageable, right? I think one of the key terms from a managed services business methodology standpoint is standardization. Nobody's putting a different firewall at every single customer, a different antivirus vendor, a different backup vendor, a different, you know, the, the, once you start diversifying vendors in a particular line item, then you've just created more work for yourself, right? So we wanted to find a way to break back from this. And, and the same applies today, right? If you walk into a customer who's a prospective MSP customer and you have to manage um, 50 different uh, PDX companies, hosted providers, cloud services companies, and it's all over the map, um, that's hard. And that's kind of unmanageable at scale, right? If you have a couple of accounts, maybe it's not a big deal. You, you start to build your customer base, it's going to be a problem. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason I tell you all of this is because you as managed services companies and myself coming from a managed services company really need to have an answer for, for this, this, this issue, right? Um, telephony, PBX, hosted VoIP. And just like everything else, it can be the thing that starts the conversation um, that brings you into the larger managed services conversation, right? Uh, like in my MSP today, uh, I wouldn't just take a hosted VoIP customer. I just won't. Um, I would use hosted VoIP or cloud PBX as a wedge to get in and say, let's talk about your bigger picture um, because there's more to it than just this. Um, some people would just take uh, telephony as a one-off service and just roll with it. And if that's you, so be it. I just hope you can scale it and manage it uh, when you get busy. So at the end of the day, my point to you is that you still need to standardize this realm in your offering. So for me, when I go to pitch managed services, telephony, and I'm going to get to this page in a second. Now let me just uh, go forward. It's one line item in a laundry list of line items, right? And I probably need to update this list with other things that have since come into the forefront. Uh, but there's just, just on this page, there's just a lot of things that you have to cover, consider, um, plan for, have an answer around, have tested for, and are now offering a solution that you can stand by. If you pitch somebody to something and it doesn't work, well, it always comes back on you. Uh, it just is the way that it is. So my point to you is that just like anything else that you do, uh, like I said, BDR, backup, antivirus, firewall, uh, switching, um, whatever, SaaS offerings, you need to pick an answer. And that answer needs to be standardized. And by standardizing, it makes sense because one of the things we're going to talk about later on is time burn, right? Everybody forgets that time actually has a value to it. And even though you're not necessarily billing for it up front, there's still a cost to it. 
And everybody should be able to calculate that if you actually sit down and think about it. So standardization is like your insurance policy to adjust against time burn, right? If your team's familiar with it, they understand it, they deploy it the same way, and the variables are now, you know, confined to a couple of things, then now you're not in a position where you're, you know, hoping that you're going to make out in the end, but maybe you won't. So going back up a couple slides, you need to have an answer, okay? Uh, you need to have something that you have tested that you know works with your other solutions uh, that you know can go to your customers and say, this is what I stand by. This is what I offer. Uh, I know that there's a scenario where you go to a prospective customer who's locked into the five-year you know, lease on an on-premise phone system or something like that, and you're forced to deal with it. You know, My argument and my pitch to you is to tell your customer that your time has a value to it, and whether you're offering them something as part of your stack, which is what I would think most would like to do was what we do. Or if you tell them, well, if I have to vendor manage that system, I still have to account for my time, uh, regardless of who that vendor is, because I'm responsible for everything else, right? And so to me, when I go to pitch a managed services customer, I tell them my price is, includes the phones. And if I have to vendor manage your guy or your phone system vendor or your whoever it is, my price really doesn't change if, quite frankly, it should go up because it'll take me more time to do that than to just give you what I'm going to bundle into my stack. Um, so don't not account for your time. Definitely standardize as you know, 100% if possible or as close to it. You want to consolidate vendors, plus your customers all have phone service, um, even if it's down to a cell phone they have something. So don't assume that it's not something that they're not using. And by the way, why are you going to leave money on the table, right? Um, now, depending on what you use, and, and this is a very generalized presentation, not necessarily specific to be VoIP, but you know, regardless of who you use, my point to you is that you need to make sure that you're not doing something for free. Right, you're not doing something at a loss and actually losing money. I argue a lot of people do when we talk about this topic, and I'll explain why. And, you know, I've already touched on a little bit of it. But my point to you is that you want to have an answer. So let me let me kind of move forward. So who do you choose, right? You know, when you walk into your customers, there's just a lot of competition out there. It is a kind of crowded space, especially with the cable companies and the ISPs really kind of pushing the agenda now. I would argue if anybody goes to an ISP, you know, I'm lucky I'm up here in Philly uh, in, in the Northeast uh, where there's just Internet coming out your ears and it's cheap and it's everywhere. Uh, but if you were to go to a Comcast or a Verizon Fios up here, Time Warner Cable, um, so on and so forth, and you just go to their web pages, type in your address for their business offering, and see what's available, you'll find that they're all pitching Cloud PBX, hosted VoIP, whatever you call it. So my point to you is that everybody's in the game, especially manufacturers who are now massively consolidated, right? You probably have all heard Shortel, Mitel are now you know merging. You know, everybody's going into the recurring uh, you know, model, right? So even the manufacturers are coming back trying to figure out how to, you know, not, you know, get pushed by the wayside. So everybody's going into the recurring service model. My point to you is um, don't be don't be put in a situation where uh, you don't have an answer, right? I think it's a default thing that you need to have in your stack, right? We went back to this page. You need to have it. You need to understand what your offering is. You need to have the checkbox. Uh, figured out because if you don't, 
the guy who's competing next to you or a guy that maybe isn't really in the IT services business or managed services business that's kind of coming over from one of the other verticals, whether it be security, point of sale, the phone system guy, the copier guy, you know, it's just you need to want to you want to make sure you check the boxes, even if it's a partnership solution and you're not building it all out on your own because you just don't have it's just not reasonable to think that you're going to be able to do it all on your own. You still need to have an answer. So my point to you is understand that, you know, whether it's one of the guys on the screen that you're partnering with, uh, whether it's myself, whether it's somebody else, my point to you is understand that everybody's out there doing it. So you really need to have an answer and kind of understand how the market works around it. So let's get into what I would say is the crux, right? We're talking about sales, right? That's kind of the, the idea. Um, I'm sure Ray does this differently, uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of Vo you know, the VoIP story is the stuff that you already should be doing. Okay. What do I mean by that? If the networking and the, the ISP and the router and the cabling and all of the other stuff that goes along with the stuff that you probably should be doing right now is not right, then this doesn't work at all. Or if it does work, it doesn't work consistently enough where you're not burning on time. So my point to you is, this is the stuff that shouldn't be mind-boggling to you, but it fits right into your bigger picture, right? Because if you go in, which you should never I, – I, I would never sell a Cloud PBX hosted VoIP product without a site survey. Never. Like if you just drop ship phones and hope that they work without doing any homework, um, it's on you, right? Uh, you probably don't know that even the big box guys who do that, the 8x8s, the Ring Centrals, the Jives, the Nextivas, et cetera, have an extremely, extremely double digit, of course, double digits were pretty wide, but extensive churn rate because they just ship phones and hope for the best, figuring that it's in their volume play, right? Well, we're all not necessarily in the volume business. We're in the relationship business. We're in the managed services business. So my point to you is don't just expect to drop ship a phone and expect that it's going to work if everything else there isn't right. Um, granted, I'm, I'm not talking about the home user, right, that has the cable modem in the corner and they're just going to plug it in. I'm talking about the business, yeah, more or less. So you need to do site surveys. And on your site surveys, you need to account for things. You need to pay attention to things because if you don't catch it now, you will spend an endless amount of time going backwards trying to catch up to stuff that you forgot, you missed, you didn't think about, it just didn't occur to you, your customer forgot. Like you need to get the, the gotchas out of the way so that when you put your upfront time in, your recurring revenue after the fact is revenue and profitable, not time intensive and completely a waste. So things that you have to be, uh, you know, you have to really pay attention for when it comes to VoIP and site surveys. Facts. Under, do they use it? Do they not? They still have the copier machine. They still expect the copier machine to work. Make sure that you have an understanding of what's going on there. There's there still modems out there. Funny enough, there's still, you know, the uh, a, a lot of it's copier machine, but there's still modems out there. There's still the 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 Staples fax <laughs> machine sitting on somebody's desk. Uh, I can remember a, a, a now managed services account on my MSP. I walked in and they had 47 copper fax lines. 
And when I asked why, I, I could have almost assumed that they have a fax line, a copper, you know, POTS line going to everybody's desk for fax, which is outrageous. So just ask the question. And a lot of the times you're going to find out that your customer maybe never thought about it. Maybe they're still paying for a service, you know, because they expect it to use fax. Maybe they just don't care about fax anymore. But just ask the question because it's that technology that just doesn't want to die. Alarm lines. I know uh, building code varies um, like up in, up here in Pennsylvania, you need to have two paths, right? Now in the newer systems, those paths could be internet and cell. Uh, in the older way, it would be uh, phone line and phone line, right? So at the end of the day, it comes down to, you need to understand that if you get a copy of the bill, which I'm gonna go to in a second, you definitely absolutely need to make sure that you don't forget about the security alarm, the fire alarm or any other alarm service that requires um, a path. Uh, because when it comes to consolidating of your bill and when it comes to trying to figure out how to piece this all together when we're done this presentation, when you have all your data together, you need to have that accounted for. If it means leaving a couple of POTS lines behind because your customer may not want to rip and replace their, their, their alarm system because it just doesn't make sense to, then maybe you have to do that. You just need to be aware because if you cancel a line and have to put it back in place after the fact, it is an absolute pain in the behind. Again, modems, there's still a lot of uh, analog tech and older tech that requires uh, modems for every reason. Just ask the question. Credit card machines, I would argue if the credit card machine is like within the last four or five years, most of them can be converted to IP based where you just plug the Ethernet cable in and you're OK. Uh, so some of it's just you have to ask your customer, do you use a credit card car terminal? Obviously, in retail, a lot of it's now built in the point of sale system. But a lot of these people still have the swipe, you know, standalone credit card machine. And you want to make sure that they have the ability to, you know, charge people. So ask the question and, and it wouldn't. It's not uncommon for people to still be on POTS line because they're sharing their credit card machine with a fax line. Uh, but you could just as easily call the merchant uh, processor and just say, hey, can I convert my my terminal to you know, to Ethernet instead of copper? And um, like nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. I mean, if your customer's on a really, really, really old or or they got like the cheapest possible terminal thrown at them for free, it's possible that it's still on a copper line. But you just need to account for that because that's one of those gotchas that will come back and bite you. Postage machines. Um, I mean, listen, Pitney Bowes is probably the, the elephant in the room there. But I mean, postage machines have bitten me way back in the day where you just forget about them. Uh, ask the question, do you have one? Um, and what model is it? Uh, just go over and look at it and find out if that postage machine is on a copper line, um, if it can just be converted to an Ethernet. Some of it's, Sometimes it's just an adapter that you need to get and plug it into a USB port and all of a sudden you're, you're good to go. Uh, sometimes it's not. So you want to ask the question uh, and figure out what's going on there. Door stations. So this is multi-faceted, um, right? So it could be the lobby door system, right? Where you go up to the front door and you press a button and that thing calls somebody uh, on a line. And a lot of the times that line is a copper line uh, or a POTS line. Uh, so you need to account for if they have some sort of door type system. I'm not talking about door access per se, uh, although that you know, can get interesting and that could probably be an, a whole nother conversation, you know, where you can tie door access into other things. 
I'm talking about like the terminal where you go to a front a door somewhere and you need to talk to somebody and that somebody needs to let you in. Um, so think about that and whether your customer has something around that um, because that's something that gets you. The other thing is, especially for retail, they have these crazy little uh, knickknack um, devices where like they use a device to capture like a count of how many people come in and out of their building or their store, stuff like that. And some of those things require pods line, um, you know, if it's an older model. So these are all gotchas. I wanted to start off with gotchas because this is the page that really gets people jammed up uh, after the fact. If you don't account for it ahead of time, um, you don't want to be the person calculating how many phone calls and how many trips and how many, you know, running around with your hair on fire. Of course I have none. Um, trying to figure out how to back fix some of these things. Uh, and of course, paging, paging, not just through the phones, paging, like overhead paging, um, you know, whether it be through an old school bogan or some ceiling speaker paging horn in a warehouse, uh, anything like that. Uh, I call this the gotchas. Uh, page and it's okay if it's an analog system because you can tie into it but my point is ask the question if the expectation is that they want to be able to page the entire company through the phones or through the overhead paging system or whatever or whatever it may be so um so yeah this is a, a kind of cool page to to pay attention to but back to it uh the networking part right this is a part that everybody should be quasi familiar with bad cabling okay uh, if you go into, if you already have a customer and you know they have bad cabling, trying to put VoIP on top of bad cabling is just not going to work. Like, just don't even bother. Just keep them where they're at. Um, but if you go into a prospect who's looking for VoIP and you ask to see the cabling closet and you open up the cabling closet and like it's falling down on you, spaghetti edition, um, you've got to probably be, you know, really jammed when you go to do a project. So if the cabling isn't right, uh, and I've seen all, I'm sure we've all seen all sorts of permutations, right? The, um, the cat three being used as cat five or the hubs, uh, still being connected to, you know, 10 year old patch cables, or, you know, it just, you can't even figure out what line goes where, um, I would suggest that you, um, make sure that cabling is sorted. And if it's not, then you probably want to make sure that as part of your pitch that gets resolved. Um, you know, obviously nobody wants lines running on the floor, uh, but at the end of the day, you definitely want to uh, cover that. Uh, gigabit switches. Uh, some people will tell you, hey, it's VoIP. It doesn't need gigabit. Uh, I just don't know why you would put a non-gigabit device in these days. Uh, the price point isn't a huge shift between non-gigabit and gigabit. It's, almost, it's the standard at this point. Uh, it really even goes back to the VoIP devices. It just doesn't make sense for the extra 10 or 15 bucks to put a non-gigabit device in, especially if you're going to use it to pass through. Um, so just only go gigabit. Um, and this even, you know, this, this is definitely important even for the hidden switches, you know, the four port guys that are underneath the desk or, uh, you know, or up above a ceiling tile or, you know, behind some filing cabinet. Um, you just want to make sure, I know it's sometimes impossible to find those until you're into it, but you want to try your best to kind of figure out if those are, are, are out there as well. Um, on the cabling, right, just to go back on that, you know, in a perfect world, everybody has two drops to their desk minimum, right, you know, data line and a second data line for voice so that you, you're not competing. Um, yes, you can pass through data through, you know, the, the switch in the back of a phone, but, you know, you know, newsflash, there's a processor and memory in those phones. And if you're a heavy data user and you're daisy chaining through a phone, 
you know, whether it's gigabit or not, um, you could have some, some problems. So if you can, you'd like to have separate drops for everything. If you can't, then I understand. Um, but just be careful there that obviously if your computers are running gigabit, you want everything gigabit end to end. I know that just may be stupid that I'm even mentioning it, but it's worth mentioning anyway. So power over ethernet. Uh, this really ties back into switching and cabling. Um, if you buy a phone uh, or you pitch a phone and you need to put a power brick onto it, which is an extra 10, 15, whatever it is per device, um, that's great. I mean, then you run into power strips and other things that kind of pop out because you don't have enough power jacks and all that jazz. Power over Ethernet's becoming really affordable. Even in the last two years, in my opinion, the price points come down to the point where it kind of does start to make sense uh, as a default option. Uh, but that means that your lines are clean, meaning your cabling's not jacked up. You don't have the, the little four port switches hidden all over the place. Uh, your distances aren't way over the, you know, the line, you know, like some of that stuff has, has to be factored into the equation. Uh, but I think you can get a good power of Ethernet switch, you know, sometimes in the, you know, three, four, $500 range, depending on how many ports you need. Um, you know, I know that's on the lower end of the spectrum, but they're out there and they're not bad devices, you know, from a switching standpoint. Um, so, but in order to make that a viable play, you need to make sure that everything else is clean. Um, and obviously, you know, if you can dedicate switches for phones, uh, then you want to do that uh, instead of sprinkling phones in between data ports. Now, again, if it's three or four phones, it's not a big deal. But if you got 30, 40, 50, 100, 200, 300, 500 phones out there, you know, I'm not saying you need a whole separate network, a whole separate VLAN and all that jazz. I'm just saying, you know, if you're putting a PoE switch in there, it doesn't make sense to, to use PoE ports that you're paying for a premium for, for data jacks. It just, I don't, you just, why even bother? You're just spending money to spend money. Uh, so there's that. But the good part about PoE, especially in a disaster recovery conversation, is that if you have the PoE switch or switches on battery backup, then if um, the power goes out, the phones still run. Now, obviously old school phone systems and POTS lines have been that way for decades before I was around and maybe some of you were around. So sometimes the expectation, if you still run into those older boxes on the wall and when the power goes out, the phone's still working is what happens when there is a you know, disaster recovery, you know, story plan situation. Uh, so if you do do uh, power over ethernet, uh, then you can obviously throw those on UPSs uh, or you could throw them onto backup generator circuits or whatever it is and keep that system rolling. Um, which is kind of a nice story, uh, should that be a requirement. So anyway, uh, moving right along. Um, of course, I actually said this already. In a perfect world, PC and phones are on separate lines. Um, again, just because a phone says it's gigabit, and I would recommend not to put anything that's not gigabit in at this point, because again, the price point doesn't really matter at this point. It's negligible. Uh, but they do have a, a little processor and memory in them. And just because they're gigabit doesn't mean that, you know, your graphic design guy being passed through the phone is going to have a good experience. So just be understand that, you, you know, these pass-through ports, uh, if you can't have multiple lines at every station, um, are not, the you know, just like a regular switch port in some cases. You, you don't want to put a copy machine through a phone switch port. You don't want to put a printer. You don't want to put a scanner. You don't want to put... Uh, a server. I, you know, I know some of this is just stupid, but I'm just my point to you is that they're not meant for super high duper uh, traffic to be passed through them. They're meant to be like just a you know a workstation user maybe you know piggyback through them. So and if it's a power user, even a power user, if you get the lower model phones, maybe too much for that pass through. So just understand that um, as we're going through. 
I could talk about this topic for you know an eternity. Um, it's a sticking point, and depending on who's talked to you about VoIP in the past, and whether you're a Cisco devotee or not, you know, because since they've you know kind of set a lot of the brainwashing around this in the industry, here's the reality: firewalls. Um, you're if you're an MSP business, you're putting in an edge device that you can manage and that you put everywhere and that you know how to run and that you know if you have an issue you can contact somebody about if you have a junk router in there then it ain't gonna work um, the same goes for an internet service provider if you have a, a shaky internet service provider then this isn't gonna work uh, so my point to you is when it comes to routers and firewalls put in something that you know works i'm a sonic wall fan myself that may make some people cringe and there's a lot of people are ubiquity guys or sophos guys or fortinet guys or um and i could go on and on and on my point to you is make sure you know how it works make sure that you can get support on that if you need it uh, and make sure that um you know you have not put an underpowered device into the equation. If you go into an existing customer, you should already know what they have, right? But if you go into a prospect, you would want to know who their internet service provider is, and you'd want to know what router or firewall they're using. If you walk in the door and they're just using the cable modem as the firewall router, which it's not even a firewall, I just call it a router, the gateway, whatever, then I would be concerned and you might want to pitch them something else. Uh, if you have a customer that's on a, uh, an underpowered device and you try and drop more traffic through it, VoIP or otherwise, it's going to cause a problem. It's just going to be more noticeable with VoIP. So in some cases, if with your existing customers, you may need to you know, upgrade that device to something that has more juice to it. Uh, you know, point, point here is no junk off the shelf, Best Buy staples, you know, you know, quickie, you know, units, you want something that's business grade, uh, you want something that can manage, I know you've probably heard SIP ALG, SIP helper, NAT rules around VoIP, uh, I just tell you, turn them all off, I think they're more trouble than they're worth, um, just, you know, my opinion, I think you'll spend more time trying to figure out how they work than actually them being beneficial to you, so just turn it all off, and then lastly, and, and again, I, I get yelled at a a bunch. I'm not a VLAN fan when it comes to VoIP. I think it's overkill. Uh, I think it causes a massive um, additional effort when you go to troubleshoot things. Uh, if you're a VLAN guru and you want a VLAN, then I guess VLAN. But I think it's unnecessary. I think at scale it may be required. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, it's just a nice. It's a nice to have um, and not a requirement. And I would suggest that you would only do it if absolutely necessary. What's going on, Steve? I see you, buddy. I, I figured now would be a great time to chime in. Um, why on earth do you not like VLANs? I mean, I, I, if I told I you, I, I'll, I'll tell you right point blank. A lot of people don't know how to VLAN properly. I know that may sound outrageous, but it's true. And number, so when it comes to troubleshooting and support, the amount of time we spend trying to get people to get their head out of their behind and get to the point where they can try and diagnose an issue becomes compounded exponentially when it comes to VLAN. Like exponentially. Like I'm telling you our support burden when it comes to VLANing will probably extend the amount of time that we would even put into helping somebody by four or five X what we would do if they don't have it. Um, now, is is this do you not do any VLANing at all? Or are you just saying you don't separate the VoIP from the the business network? I mean, I kind of put pinged on it earlier. I'm a fan of a physical separation, right? 
like even if it's just hey i dedicate a switch to voip you know phones because maybe i'm putting in poe and it just makes sense to do that anyway uh, and, and I may not have a completely segregated network, meaning like logically my switches are still daisy chained and I'm still on the same network segment and I still have, you know, everything on a flat network. That's traditionally what I would expect. I'm just saying when it comes to VLANing um, at a small at, on a smaller scale, it, it, what it does is it just creates a whole lot more effort. And at the end of the day, we just don't see a ton of value, at least from my perspective, our perspective here at VVOIP you know, unless you get to a larger size point. And my argument would be, what's a larger size point? Uh, I've seen, I've actually personally seen a 250 man shop, no VLANing, just physical uh, switches dedicated to drops for VoIP and no problems at all. Uh, usually the inside network bandwidth isn't the issue. It's the edge, you know, uh, you know, at the firewall router ISP, you know, level that, that there's an issue. So at the end of the day, like I said, if you're a VLAN fan and you want a VLAN, then VLAN. But if you don't do it right and you don't know what you're doing, it's just going to be a time burn. And there is that cost of time that always comes back and bites people in the ass. So that's my, my, my skinny on it. Fair enough. Um, for everyone that's here watching, I believe for attendees on the top left of his screen share, you'll see a section for Q&A. Feel free to pop in there and ask whatever questions you want. George, I'll pop in later, or if it makes sense, I'll, I'll pop in, you know, whenever, and I'll, I'll kind of be the voice of the people and, and ask their questions so you can answer them. The, the people's champion, right? Yes. There you go. All right. I'm going to continue on then. Um, so, so back to, and we just actually touched on it just now, Steve. I mean, when it comes to where you're going to run into a quality of service issue, it's usually on the edge. But just even for DR purposes, you know, when you go to figure out what your customer has, if it's an existing customer, you already know what they have. And again, I'm spoiled. I'm in the Northeast. And we got internet coming out our ears, like I said, that is, you know, inexpensive and everywhere and from multiple providers. As a default, in my managed services company, I mandate to all of our customers, even in our agreements, uh, that they should have multiple internet providers, if nothing other than for redundancy, because when the internet goes down, it's just a bad day. And I'd rather have a backup plan for that uh, rather than hearing the phone calls and waiting for, you know, the, the cable company to roll up when they feel like it. So my point to you is that when it comes to VoIP, it really just flows right into that story. You know, they may have one ISP, and if they're a small customer, maybe it doesn't pay uh, to have a second ISP. Maybe they just won't pay it. Uh, but when I, when I will admit to you that it's just stand best practice that if you can get two ISPs in there just for general data redundancy, that you should. And when it comes to VoIP, I call it poor man's redundancy. Now that you have two ISPs, you can kind of use those ISPs um, where you can separate data and voice. You can do data on the left, voice on the right. And then only when an ISP goes down, do those two connections, you know, do, this, do all that traffic kind of converge on a single provider until the internet issue is resolved. And so by doing that, um, it's just a really simple, easy way to cut, you know, cut where a lot of the issues end up being, which is the, the ISP. So, of course, nothing's created equal, you know, hey, I got this great connection with great upload download, but then is it consistent? So my point to you is, especially with the, you know, the cables and, and, and what have you of the world, it goes all over the place. So up here in, in Philly land where, you know, we got Internet everywhere, you know, a Comcast and a Fios or a uh, cable and a DSL or a fiber and a cable. 
or you know, in some cases, uh, a 4G backup. Um, I know that there's some providers now that are building 4G into their offering because a lot of these you know firewalls router options are coming as a as a SaaS play, right? Where it's all built in. They don't sell you a box. It's just all part of a subscription. So my point to you is that just something, right? Just anything uh, would be better than if you rely on a single provider and that provider goes down. What you know, usually your customer forgets at that point that if the internet goes down, the phones go down. And I know that sounds funny, but it happens. Uh, so my point to you is, uh, if you can, figure out what they have, figure out what's available at their site. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a dedicated T1 circuit, T1, is that still around? Uh, a dedicated circuit, a, a dedicated fiber or anything like that. It you know, could just be two different providers, broadband, whatever's cost effective and for redundancy purposes. And again, 4G can work. Um, so that's, uh, that's an option. You just figure out what's what's available to you. So again, if you have those two connections, you can split your data and voice, you know, left and right, use for failover. And I always tell people, yeah, can always prioritize at the firewall level. I'm a fan of prioritizing by destination IP or FQDN rather than just a bunch of ports. Um, so, you know, hey, you know, does everybody use 5060 for VoIP? Um, no. So, but my point is that I'm a fan. If you go into your firewall rules and you do any sort of prioritization, you know, you just figure out where your traffic's going to, your provider should be able to tell you, um, you know, like what their primary and DR sites are and what have you, and then you can just roll them into a service group. So if you're going to do that, that's, that's what I suggest. Uh, of course, if you're on a cheap router, um, many of them can't do that well. So just don't do that. Um, but we already touched on that. So anyway, we talked about the gotchas. We talked about infrastructure stuff, which a lot of you should be pretty friendly and familiar with. Uh, we talked about uh, internet and routers and cabling and switching, but let's talk about now you're going into your customer or a prospect and you are trying to figure out what they have from a telephony standpoint. How many phones, how many, you know, how many phone lines, how many phone numbers, um, you know, how many locations for 911 purposes. Um, you want to figure out if they're paying on a maintenance or service agreement or how many times on average they call if they have an on-premise box that needs to get fixed. You basically want to figure out every possible dime they could be putting out, whether it's recurring or one-off. And you want to understand what their costing is because a lot of the time what you're going to find is they are overpaying for telephony. They are paying so much because nobody's gone back and looked at it for so long or it's just worked. So if any broke, don't fix it mentality that you can absolutely realize that these customers are getting completely obliterated on their bill and use that cost savings to turn around and offer your other managed services off, you know, stuff. Quite frankly, that's a lot of what we do here in Philly in our MSP. We go in and we, we get all these bills, right? Not just phones. It could be the copier bill. It could be, you know, how much toner do you pay for in a year? It could be a bunch of things. And we consolidate all of that into a total output, right? Because a lot of the times the guy paying the bill or the girl paying the bill isn't the CF, you know, is, or maybe it's a CFO, whatever it is, uh, doesn't take all of the pieces that you can offer and consider them IT or, or managed services, right? They consider them separate categories and they're in separate budgets and they don't put two and two together that all of this stacks. Um, phones is a very hot button item where a lot of people are just getting hosed and they're just paying out the ears um, to whoever. So my point to you is you want to understand what's going on and see if you can get a copy of the bill. 
I mean, just copy the phone bill. You know, you're going to need it. If you end up getting the customer, you're going to need it for porting purposes anyway. So my point to you is ask for the bill. I would say 9.8 times out of 10, they'll give you a copy of the bill. Um, you know, what? maybe it's from, you know, the POTS company or the cable company or, you know, the T1 company or whatever it is. Get your hands on it. And from there, you want to be able to extrapolate. Number of phone numbers, local phone numbers, toll-free phone numbers, and in some cases, international phone numbers. Um, those count. So you want to figure out that. You want to figure out what their usage is for toll-free and for international. And if there is a usage for their local, uh, you know, domestic local long-distance calling, then just it'd be nice to know. You don't necessarily need to, but if it's there, then obviously calculate for it or ca capture it. You want to figure out how many concurrent lines there are. The last thing you want to do is pitch your, to your customer an offering or a solution, whatever it is, and they have less lines uh, than they have now. Unless they have so many lines that they're not using, and that's a conversation you should have with them, uh, so most of the time the answer is going to be, I don't know. But yet, yeah, the last thing you want to do is undercut somebody and give them something less than what they already have. Um, so definitely understand concurrency. Uh, it's an important uh, conversation. Uh, 911. Uh, again, number of physical locations um, that plays when it comes to VoIP world, because uh, usually, you know, sometimes, you know, there's so many uh, 911 uh, E911 addresses you can put in for free, and then there might be a cost. So just understand how many physical locations, which should be pretty easy. Uh, inbound, outbound caller ID requirements. Uh, if you run into a customer that has, you know, 500 phone numbers or 200 phone numbers or 100 phone numbers because, you know, there was just a block of phone numbers and they've been paying for it forever. Does every single phone number need inbound and outbound call ID? Uh, and if so, ask. Uh, and if not, if they're just inbound calls, um, then, then figure it out. You know, get their list of phone numbers and break it out with them. Uh, but you want to know how many phone numbers there are and what their call ID requirements are. You know, as far as, you know, if they're already with a cloud telephony provider, that makes some of this easier. Uh, if they're still on an on-premise machine, uh, whatever it is, then you want to understand if they're still under a lease, if they're still under a contract, a maintenance agreement, how much time they spend per year maintaining that, ads move changes, you know, and, and why does that matter? Because when you go to pitch your customer that final bill, uh, you want to give them total output, right, and show them where you're helping them. Uh, it's just natural to consolidate all of that in one place. So. This is an important one that people, I don't know, forget to do, but I, I highly recommend that you do it because quite frankly, um, it's going to save you a lot of pain in my opinion. If you're going on site anyway, which you should, and you do the site survey anyway, which you should, and you're looking at all the tech stuff, which you absolutely need to do, then it would probably make sense to take the receptionist away for five or 10 minutes or spend, or when I say away, just like, hey, can I have five or 10 minutes of your time? Uh, you want to meet with the power user, sit down with them, and just see how they use their existing system. I can't tell you how many times and how much time burn you'll go through trying to, after the fact, hear a customer complain about the system just doesn't work the way that we use it, or it's not the same, or you, you have this training curve. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but it happens more times than not. Look at the phone that they're using. See how many buttons it has. See what buttons are on it. Ask them to show you how they make calls, receive calls, transfer calls, hold calls, park calls, the whole thing, right? Just the, the, the functions that they use to do their job. Because usually the power user will shed most of the things that you need to know versus just the non-power user. 
Um, get it all. Even record it on your phone if they'll let you just to see what it is, because if you can't replicate most of what they're doing, I think you're going to be upset. Um, if the company's larger and you have different departments, see if you can pick a power user out of most of the heavier departments, sales, customer service, the admin, you know, assistant, um, that kind of thing, and see how they're using their system because you don't want to pitch something to somebody uh, that's less than what they have. Uh, I, and I, specifically around the, the actual hardware that you're going to pitch them, the phones themselves, um, quite frankly, <laughs> if they have you know, 20 uh, buttons, programmable buttons on their phone now, and you give them a phone with no programmable buttons, um, that's a bad day. It just is. You, you don't want to do that. You'll spend more time pulling your hair out. Just don't do it. So take a picture of the phone, see how they use it, talk to the power user. Okay. So now you've collected all of this information, right? You did the site survey. You got a copy of the bill. You met with a decision maker to figure out what, what the deal is. You've, you've done the walkthrough. You've figured out the networking and the gear and, and what needs to be done, uh, cabling, what have you. So now you got to put it all together. And in order to put it all, you know, of course, when your customer sees a proposal, the first thing they're going to say is, man, this is a lot of money. Why am I doing this? You know, obviously, there's an ROI calculation that everyone can do, uh, charts, graphs, proposals, you know, what have you. Um, my point to you is that, you know, usually a business decision maker wants to see the total damage. But this is my point in the wedge. You know, if the customer's network is a disaster um, then you and they don't want to fix it, then they're not a candidate for VoIP. On-premise VoIP, hosted VoIP, cloud PBX, I don't care what it's called. It just They're not a candidate for it. This is a perfect opportunity for you as a managed services provider to do what you do best. Um, get in there and explain the value of what you're trying to do and why it helps them and why the only way for this to work is to make it happen. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth re-mentioning that if um, they're getting hosed on their bill, if they haven't relooked at their phone bill in eternity and they have the you know ridiculous cost, then you could absolutely use a lot of the cost savings and what you're going to pitch into helping defer the rest of the stuff that you're doing or offset it. Um, you know, we do per user per month bit pricing here in my MSP. Um, and this is all baked in, especially the critical gear, right? Even routers, uh, firewalls, uh, and a lot of the switching gear and stuff like that. It's just included in the price point so that they don't have an argument around, I don't want to pay for that. But my point to you is that if their network is a disaster, then you need to true that up. So, it's, you know, so the first thing is, again, we, and we touched on it, cabling, switching gear. Are you going power routine or are you not? Uh, you want to talk about... Uh, do they need to upgrade their their router firewall? Do they do they need to do anything else network wise to make it work? Uh, ISPs, if you're gonna pitch them a second ISP, get the quote for that in your proposal. Uh, whether it's 4G, uh, second broadband provider, whatever, just include it in part of the dialogue. Um, let them tell you no, basically. Basically, uh, again, devices, handsets. I can go through, and I probably will go through this. You know, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of options on on gear. There just is, um, you know, different manufacturers, and you know, obviously everybody knows Polycom. 
Um, at the end of the day, um, you want to make sure that you cover the basics, the desk phones, the conference room phones, uh, if there's cordless phones out there, um, you know, you just want to make sure, you know, that you're, you're covering yourself. There is a scenario where you have an analog device that, that you need to put in, in you know, a box to convert it to, you know, from VoIP to analog or an, you call it an ATA, you know, so you, like, these are the things that the top four things that you really should account for on the gear from a handset perspective, desk phones, cordless phones, conference phones, ATAs. Usually that covers uh, the majority of the stuff that you have to worry about. And even ATAs that tie into the, you know, uh, paging system or the overhead speaker, or the outdoor, you know, the front door panel that we talked about earlier. So they do come in handy. Of course, you want to pitch them your, your, your recurring service, right? Uh, whether it be uh, a per user per month, uh, like a lot of the major guys do, or or we do it a bit differently, where you know you can do it that way, but you're not billed that way. But my point to you is that you know your cost of the 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 actual recurring plan is going to factor into what their existing bill is, right? We talked about concurrent lines, we talked about phone numbers, we talked about e911, we talked about fax. Do you need e-fax or not? Do you need to you know keep a copper line around because it's just easier? Do you need to put in a fax uh, ATA? Um, you know, one of the things that I probably forgot to mention, and it's worth mentioning now, is you know a lot of the requirements and some of the verticals that you may be dealing with, right? Medical, financial, um, you know, what, you know government. Um, when it comes to analog, it just is analog, right? You don't think about it. But when you think about uh, HIPAA compliance, when you think about you know Sarbanes-Oxley, when you think about SOC compliance, stuff like that, uh, you need to understand that when you go to VoIP, uh, some of the data that's transit transiting needs to be dealt with uh, specifically, right? Now, the reason I bring that up was specifically on the thought of facts. You know, if you're going to pitch an EFAC solution, that EFAC solution needs to be HIPAA compliant. That provider needs to be able to give you a BAA. Uh, it's, even when it comes back to phones, you know, if uh, you go to a medical practice specifically with HIPAA and people are leaving voicemails for prescription refills or they're leaving, you know, you know, patient information in a voicemail or, or call recording, uh, then you need to make sure that your provider will give you a BAA uh, and HIPAA compliance. So um, my point to you is that, you know, you just need to be careful that, you know, when, you know, because we're driving the VoIP traffic over data, you need to understand some of the compliances then start to kick in. Uh, dial tone, if you're going under a plan uh, a service provider where dial tone is included in the per user per month or per seat per month fee, then it just is what it is. Um, I would argue that you need to just pay attention to the fair usage policies. Uh, I guess that even comes into the equation for you know, just trunks or you know SIP trunking. Um, you know, if your customer is a call center or doing massive, massive transactions, uh, everybody has it in their terms somewhere. You know, it's the, the little fine print, if you would. Uh, just make sure that you understand what that threshold is. Just ask. Most of them will tell you. Some people say, well, we'll let you know when you hit it, when you hit it. But if you are in a organization that does a lot of it, then that could be a problem. So my point to you is understand the fair usage policy, you know, uh, conversation with whoever you're talking to. But when it comes to dial tone, um, it's an interesting conversation. I can show you a couple of examples, but the reality is that, you know, if you're pitching a solution where dial tone isn't uh, it bundled into it, right? It's a separate item that you have to select, right? How many lines? 
uh, or how many minutes or what have you, uh, then you need to have those metrics together, right? Usually you start off with the number of lines that they already have and work backwards if they don't need those. Uh, but again, you don't, you, you also want to ask your cloud services provider who's bundling the dial tone into their per seat per month price point, how many concurrent lines can I get? Uh, I'm sure everybody says unlimited a lot of the times um, until it's not. Uh, so you just need to ask the question because there's always um, a caveat at some point, right? There's a, there's a, there's a point where it does hit. Um, so you need to ask the question. Obviously, if you're specking dial tone out separately, SIP trunking, uh, you know, um, you need to be able to understand how many, you know, some SIP trunking providers do uh, what, you know, the way telephone service has been sold forever all-inclusive, unlimited, fair usage policy, but unlimited. Some people say, hey, I don't care how many concurrent calls you make. Um, I'm going to sell it to you either per minute, like the old school PRIs, or I'm going to sell it to you in bundles of minutes. Uh, so back when we talked about when you got their bill copy, uh, that may play. Maybe it's less expensive for you to pitch them you know, unlimited concurrency with bundled minutes. Um, on the vice versa, if you're pitching them per line per month with all usage included, then obviously how many outside lines do you need? Uh, but so there's different variations, right? And there's some SIP trunking providers out there that do like unlimited incoming minutes, but then you pay for your outgoing minutes or stuff like that. There's all these little caveats. Everybody does it just slightly different. Uh, but you just want to understand what your customer has so that you're not pitching them something where there's a surprise. It's worth mentioning that you wanna keep your dial tone separate. There's probably people who have considered, hey, I'm just going to uh, fire up uh, you know, a, a machine in Amazon and load asterisks, or hey, I'm gonna go buy this box and throw it in there uh, and then just roll it all together and go out there and find the cheapest SIP provider in the world and, and try and roll it all together. I actually think I have a second PowerPoint that I've kind of held out here, do I? No, you know what, let me pull it up one second because it's worth mentioning. You want to keep your worlds separate. If you don't, uh, you're going to have a problem when it comes to dial tone. I'm kind of going off script here, but I'm going to pull this up. Um, you want to keep your universe separate when it comes to the dial tone, unless you're going to be the man, right? Unless you're going to become register as an interconnected VoIP provider and file and remit and comply with federal, state, county, local, 911, regional. Actually, I was just with a provider yesterday who said that like in South Carolina, they have a consortium of counties that come together. And now the counties, <laughs> you know, the consortium has a, a, a line item on the bill. Uh, so my point to you is um, if you're going to try and bundle dial tone, um, really ask yourself, are you in that business? I would say 99.9% .9 of the time you're not and don't do it and just you know, sign your customer up for that service. No differently than you would for the internet provider, right? How many people are signing their customer up for Comcast or Verizon or Frontier or whatever it is, Cox, and you're passing through the costs of the internet service? Probably nobody. Uh, so my point to you is that usually if you're going to pitch ship trunking separate of a per, you know, a, a all-inclusive like ring central type solution, eight by eight, Nextiva, whatever, my point to you is that you're going to need SIP trunking. That SIP trunking should be set up in the end customer's name and the transaction of their money flow should be flowing from the customer to the carrier. If you're any way in between that process, uh, you're gonna have a problem. 
Um, so just don't, don't do it. Uh, I myself back in the day, um, when I was early on trying to figure this out, uh, didn't, you know, got bitten with this. So my point to you is just do not do it because it's time intensive, right? Federal, state, county, local, you see the slide here. Um, so just understand that that's something that if you're going to do that at scale, then you're going to need a uh, taxation platform like a short tax potentially. You need a billing rating engine that pulls CDR in, and you're going to need to do a lot of paperwork. Um, just to give you an idea, if you have a customer in Michigan, for example, and you have one customer in one county in Michigan, you have to file all counties in Michigan, even if the remittance is zero. And if you don't file, then they fine you. <laughs> Stuff like that. Or if you have more than 14 concurrent lines going into a physical location in the city of San Francisco, apparently there's a $400 a month emergency services fee that you have to collect as a telephone uh, dial tone provider. So there's just crazy little, you know, things that pop up. Um, so case in point, just, just don't do that. Let me flip back to my original PowerPoint. Um, so dial tone, right? Can go all over the map. Just understand what you're pitching. Never pitch less. Um, and one thing that we really hadn't touched on that's important that you probably should have checked out during the site survey is special requirements around integration. If your customer has like a Salesforce or an ERP system or a CRM system or a ticketing system or some sort of system where their phone system integrates into that platform, they probably don't want to lose that. If you're pitching them something that can't do that, then they're probably not going to buy it or, or go with it. So it's important to ask the question if there's any sort of special link between the phone system and some other system. Um, you know, so I think there are a lot of people out there that the phone just needs to ring and it's okay, you know, if it has the basic features. But I think the buyers out there are starting to get a bit, you know, as the younger generations are coming into the decision making process. Um, there is a integration conversation. So we usually see this again around CRMs, ERPs. You know, we're, uh, I know Steve is an Autotask guy. Uh, so for Steve, his, his ERP system could be Autotask. Uh, we use ConnectWise in our MSP. It might be a bad word. I don't care which company you're using. But a lot of people use Salesforce, NetSuite. Uh, a lot of people have proprietary line of business applications that they've built out, um, stuff like that. Um, it could be as simple as the pizza shop uh, when the guy calls, the phone number immediately pulls up their last order or some, something like that, right? It, it, they're out there. It's just little links. So you want to ask that question. And 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 so um, the reason we're going through this page is to understand how you're going to put the proposal together. So the, the one thing that I put on the bottom of this page is time, 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 and more time. If somebody picks up the phone and goes to Ring Central's website and buys phones and they just get drop shipped and they plug them in, maybe they work, maybe they don't. But as an MSP, there's probably project time involved here. Uh, quite frankly, I'd always charge project time as only in my upfront onboarding fee. You need to figure out what that is. And you need to figure out what that is for the first 90 days. And you need to figure out what that is after the first 90 days. Usually when you put something in, a new server, a new software, an upgraded version of a software, a new SaaS application, a new backup solution, I don't care, whatever it is. The upfront time is usually in the setup and usually right after the setup, right? So I'm telling you about 90 days. After that, to let on the telephony side, things usually quiet down. 
if you have done the right time in you know making sure all the the technical stuff is done making sure that the system was configured and set up properly making sure that you've done training with your end customer um, and you've spent the time to make sure that they know how to use the system upfront and you didn't just skip over that don't uh, all of this has time associated with it and we're all in the business of time in managed services, right? So if you're just expecting to go plug in some phones and they're just gonna work and it's not a big deal and the customer can log into some web page and figure it out on their own, yeah, no. I would not expect that to be the standard and I would not expect that to be your reality because where's your value add, right? You're supposed to be helping them manage your technology. So definitely cover, think about how much time it's going to take you to, um, assuming you've already got all the networking stuff done, right? The switching, the cabling, all that other stuff that we talked about. Think about how much time it's going to take you to configure the phone system uh, with, you know, to make sure that it matches everything they need with auto attendance and ring groups and call queues and voicemail recordings and all this stuff that comes along with the phone system and figure out what it's going to take you to train them, right? They're a large organization. You may need to do several training sessions. More than likely your training is going to be done on site. Um, rather than remote. I don't know. Have some training material maybe prepped. But my point is that there's a time component, right? And then turn around and think, and this is where people usually lose their shirt. Uh, um, what happens after they've gone live? How much time is it going to take you to support that customer? Uh, could it take you an hour a month, half an hour a month, two hours a month? Is it a question? Is it a problem? Are you troubleshooting something? Do you need to roll a truck? Um, if you're pitching a service where you make a very low commission, uh, five, 10, 15%, whatever it is, and then somebody calls you and you need to spend time helping them get, keep that system working, get that system working, make a change. And you don't have that all baked into, Hey, you know, just, uh, here's a link to this article. I've already done the work, just follow it. Uh, but my point is it takes time. And by the time you put your time out, have you, have you covered the cost? of your time and commission. I'd argue, especially on the smaller deals, you probably didn't. And that month you lost money on that project, which is back to an earlier point that I made, which is, does it pay to just sell phones? Uh, I don't know. I don't, not at a small scale, it doesn't. Um, that's why, again, in my managed services company here in Philly, we won't just put phones out. It's all the whole package. Phones is just one piece of the pie. Um, so consider that, right? Because everyone's time has a value. Now, whether you're undercharging for your time or not, that's a whole different discussion, but it still has a cost to it. So understand that. So before I go into uh, Steve, I, you know, I'm kind of throwing you, throwing you a, a bone here. Should, should we, at this point, because we went over a lot of material, should I ask questions? Can we get questions from the audience or should I go into more of what a proposal stage would look like? Hey, if, if people have questions, go for it at any time. But so far, nobody has said anything. I think right. you've just got them so darn engaged that they're just watching. <laughs> well, ho hopefully it's good information, Steve. I know I'm rambling a bit, but I'm just going over stuff that, you know, has, has hit me one way or another. So, uh, oh, do we got something here? We've got, we've got a question from Ray. VoIP is awesome. Well, VoIP is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we are both in the VoIP business, yes. All right, I got, I here's, got a, I got. Here's one. Why not use SIPALG in the firewall? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, so SIPALG, 
I, a guy yesterday, I was, I was, I flew down to Atlanta and came back to Philly overnight. Um, he said routers were always designed to be a specific way. And then everybody broke it. <laughs> um, every router manufacturer does it differently, right? NAT versus PAT versus how they implement NAT versus how they handle rules around SIP, what have you. SIP ALG is just in the VoIP world is like kryptonite. You're basically hoping that the firewall manufacturer, the router manufacturer figured it out and did it right. Um, I'd argue that if you have the right solution out there, you just don't want to rely on the router's mechanism to handle that. Now, again, are there edge water type appliances out there? I know that like SD-WAN is starting to get you know real trendy in the marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it out there. I'd argue that a lot of the VoIP platforms out there have already figured out uh, the correct way to handle it, as, assuming that you don't have a junk, you know, really, you know, best buy router out there that can't handle the traffic and that it will take you more time trying to diagnose your quality service issue with it turned on than not. So we just tell you to turn it off, at least from my perspective. What do you think, Steve? I don't play around with the SIP, uh, SIP ALG feature at all. Um, I don't get the opportunity to play with too many UTMs, to be completely honest, to where they have all these fancy features. Most of my clients are still running on uh, like a Netgear, not not a not a home Netgear, but like the Netgear VPN firewall, like the more cost-effective one. Uh, I just gave bunny ears to the to the bear. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've I've got like two Meraki's out in the wild, and I don't ever play with SIP ALG because the VoIP just works. That's and that's what you'd hope to happen, right? So yeah, answer is just more times than not, it's a headache. Uh, unless you're like work for Sophos or something or a firewall manufacturer and you think that you can do it better. Uh, I'd argue that a lot of the VoIP manufacturers have overcompensated on their side to uh, prevent you from needing to use it. And sometimes by turning that on, you could actually jack uh, with whatever they're doing on their side and cause yourself more pain is kind of really the, you know, the thought. Yep. So, uh, so a question popped through here. Um, yep. Who typically up. is expected to support the system after it's implemented? Yeah. So this is a great question. Remember that initial part when I started open you know, the, in the middle of the, the beginning of this webinar and I said, hey, remember back in 03, 04, 05 when it was this and, and the phone system guy said it's your fault and you said it's their fault. Um, the SIP provider, hosted PBX provider, cloud void provider, whatever you want to call it, has no purview really into what's happening locally, right? So it depends on the issue. Is it a quality of service issue? Is it a, a configuration setup issue? Is it a, um, I want the system to now do something I'd never, you know, I hadn't had it doing before, who can help me get that going? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting, wide open question. My point to you is, if you're the MSP and you're managing all the technology, right? You're managing Google Apps or Office 365, the firewall, file sync and share, uh, internet, blah, 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 and the customer has an issue, are they likely to call the phone number of the VoIP provider or are they going to call you? Steve, what do you think? They're going to call me. And, and then what are you going to do? Call you. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my point is, my point is, the second you have your customer go directly to a provider 
and they start asking technical questions. They don't need you anymore. Well, that could be an issue, but also does the customer have the answer, right? What if know. the VoIP provider asks them to do something that isn't good, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and then they have a problem and now you're trying to figure out what broke. I mean, I don't know about you. How many times have you asked your customer to power cycle something and they power cycled the wrong thing? You roll the truck, oh, yeah. you show up and it's, they didn't pull the right cable, right? <laughs> so um, I, would too argue, many times. I would argue that you want to not give, you know, customer experience is a big topic in the industry, but you don't want to necessarily want your customer to put go down that rabbit hole so i would say that the act on the perception of the customer uh you're the man you're the man they're not calling microsoft directly they're not calling google directly they're not calling uh adobe or or whoever else directly they're gonna call you to be Uh, fair if they could find a number for google they would probably try yeah and then you're gonna get like a switchboard operator and they're gonna say do you know your party's extension (laughs) Yeah, I, I understand. So um, that that's my answer. I would say that the vast majority of people out there are going to expect to call you, and if you're not properly, co- you know, covering your time, then then you're just working for free, and at that point, you're losing money, right? So, um, there, I know there are providers out there that say, "Hey, give your customer our number." Um, have them call us. And if you're comfortable with that provider and you want to do that, feel free. Uh, I would think that um, you would be able to solve their problem faster and you would be able to make sure that they don't put themselves in a position where the customer's like, oh, just reboot your router. And then they took the whole company down because they didn't realize it, right? Your customer maybe is just not paying attention. Um, and maybe you want to do that differently. Um, so there's there's that. What do you think, Steve? I'm I'm with you, man. I think I'm with you on that. Um, I see, I see another question here that I don't even know how to answer the one. Um, ballpark, how much revenue are you pulling in via VoIP for your business? I mean, I think if if I had to guess, I would I would guess that your answer is none yet. Well, let's go back to this chart, right? <laughs> and, this, and this this chart, I actually have a question on. Sure. Uh, what the hell does it mean? Because 500% of what, what? I know it's, it's, a, it's specific to be void. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, and I don't want to necessarily make this a sales thing, right? I'm just saying it's possible to make that. And I actually have partners from Boy who ha- are making that. Um, it, they just are, uh, it's, it's possible in our world, but putting that aside, how much money are you making from Boyd? Uh, it's a loaded question. Depends on who you're working with. Depends how much effort you're going to put in. Are you going to build it on your own? Or are you going to partner with someone? How you know if you're going to partner with somebody? You know what? It, what? How? How is it broken down? How is it sold? What kind of commission do you get? Uh, I would and argue. And it, and it said revenue. It doesn't even say gross or net. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you this could you could say I'm bringing in three million a month. Yeah. But, 2.9 million of that could be costs. <laughs> I, I know a lot. I know a lot of people that have lost their shirt on on trying to do VoIP on their own. I'm not trying to uh, fray people away from that. I know people who put boxes out. It's fine. Uh, I know a lot of people who you know make 10, 15, 20 percent, whatever it is. But the reality is, how much of that do you need to do in order to pay for an hour of your time, uh, or a couple of hours, or several hours? Uh, but the reality is, it's variable. Uh, my argument to you would be on two fronts. My argument to you would be, are you making money off of it now? And if the answer is no, 
then that's a problem, clear and simple. And the other, the other part of it is if you don't have an answer for it, that's a problem because you've left your back door open to somebody else coming in to pitch them that service and then use it as a wedge to sell them everything else and pitch the one vendor play. And then on the back end is the standardization play. If you're pitching like multiple different providers across your customer base, aren't you just creating the problem all over again? You want to pick a standardized offering and you want to put that everywhere so that when your customer calls in to your team to ask a question, your team has already gotten that question and is already or maybe already using the same system and maybe already has answered that question. And then they can not have to spend time figuring it out. Uh, so my point to you is, is that it's, you know, it's all over the place, right? What do you think, Steve? I got nothing, man. I don't do enough VoIP. I don't do enough VoIP. That's cool. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there, right? (laughs) So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something to get in the door with. It's definitely something you should be making money on. How much, you know, is is an open dialogue, right? About you know what solution you're trying to pitch and and how much effort and so on and so forth. Um, But I, I think finding, I think finding the right solution is probably the the most critical piece of that whole equation now i mean because i'm I'm not going to name names you could go with one of any of these solutions that are out there there are some that you can go sign up as some type of partner through distribution there are others you can sign up directly Um, if you're an ascii member i'm sure you've you've seen quite a few different solutions that exist there's master Um, agents there's there's yeah i mean there's 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 tons of different ways to sell phones you need to figure out which one you're most comfortable with in terms of how how much are they going to train you um you know how how much are you going to be able to do tech support and look like the hero for your customer before you say i don't know let me get back to you because because you can only say that so many times before they stop thinking you know, that, that you're like the man, you know, cause if, if they stop perceiving you as the guy that can make all of this happen, then you might be losing more business than just their phones. Right. And, and it's, and it's probably a good point um, to put it out there that um, if you put something in and it blows up, it could, you could lose the customer. It's very mm-hmm. viable that you lose all the business, not just the one thing that blew that, that broke. Absolutely. And that's, you know, especially if you're providing it as just, you know, one of the many pieces of managed services. If, if, you know, we, we go in and, and talk as smooth as you do and say, you know, you need to use our phones because we at least know how to support them. So it's going to be cheaper to just get it from us. Well, if they hate your phones or they hate working with you, or they don't, they don't think that you know what you're doing, you're going to lose the whole darn company, not just their, not just the void. And and I've seen it, and it's and it's it sucks when it happens. You don't want it to happen, and and I totally understand the pain point of losing a large monthly recurring revenue over something that's one in a list of many. Uh, but at the end of the day, my point to you is, you need to be comfortable with it. I, I doubt nobody's going to go and just sell something right away. They're going to want to test it. You know, the whole eat your own dog food thing. 
um, and make sure that you're confident mm-hmm. in it. But a lot of it just comes down into just if you have the basics down right and you, you have, you know, the check boxes checked and some of those we went through, you know, early in this webinar, then, you know, more than not, regardless of the solution, you're in a better situation than not, you know, than, than just plugging it in. Now, I, I got to say this. Um, the most important thing to me is probably uh, going to be different to I'm just going to pick the last person that commented, Chris Tiffany. He he may think the most important thing is is completely different than so the most important thing to me is I want whoever my VoIP partner is to be responsive. I want them to get back to me quickly. If I refer somebody to them, I want to know that it's going to be handled uh, as quickly as they would expect me to handle it. Because I'm I I do things you know channel partner. I don't white label. I just say, go to XYZ company and they'll take care of everything. Here's a quote, you pay them, you know? So, you know, now my reputation is still on the line and now I have to rely on a different company to provide the same level of service that my customers get from me, which I'd like to think I provide an exceptional service and and go out of my way for my customers, answering phone calls at, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night to my cell phone, which I know I shouldn't, but you know, it's just what I do. Can, can my partner handle all that? Are they going to get back to them as quickly as possible? That I would say is more important to me than margins. Yeah. Selecting the right vendor, you know, how much money you're going to make is definitely a big part of the equation. And is it worth your time? But you're absolutely right. You know, there needs to be a confidence in not just the technology, but in the people that you're working with. And, you know, just like any other channel vendor that you're working with. Um, and many of the times, this is the reason why you would dump a solution, not because the technology doesn't work, but you just can't get the right help. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an important part of the equation. And like I said, how much money you make is, you know, a lot of it comes into what you choose and how much time you get to put in. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, I know you wanted to look at a proposal. Yeah, so- I had a, I had a uh, template proposal. Let me, uh, let me just pull it up. Um, let me uh, stop sharing my screen real quick because I got to flip through. Okay. Give me a second here. And and while you're flipping through, yep. Um, I I I I've got to ask. I mean, I know you mentioned you've got integrations. So for all of us IT guys in here, what does your integration with a PSA look like? Yeah, you know, I can show I care you. more about that than a proposal. I don't know I, about everyone else. I, 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 <laughs> if you want me to go there, I'll go there. Uh, or I could show you a proposal. I don't care. Um, well, let's let's do a proposal, and then we can go over. And if people have to leave at 2.30, they have to leave at 2.30, and they can watch it on YouTube if they want to see the integration. Does that work for you, George? I'm totally fine with that. Okay. So this Let's is, I mean, we actually have a proposal template generator that works with things like Quozo and Quoteworks and stuff like that. Oh, cool. I'm just going to pull up, I'm not going to even pull that up. I'm just going to pull up a Word document, right? Just to give you the kind of the bulk pieces that you want to make sure that you cover in a proposal. <laughs> I mean, I sounds silly, but I just want to make sure we cover that. And while I'm pulling that up, did you say you had a question on my chart of things <laughs> that you should be including in your stack? That one PowerPoint slide? Steve? Oh, I just didn't understand the percentages. Oh, okay. I got it. That's yeah. that's all. No, okay. I just want to make sure I, I, I didn't you know, miss your question there. But all good. Sample proposals. Just found the folder. 
Uh, okay, let me find uh, a more recent one. One second. More recent. This one's from 2015. All right. Hey, this is old, but you know what? It does. It does. It. It. You know, the last page says a lot. So, I mean, again, you can pretty it up, talk about features, whatever. But I think it all comes down to the dollars and the cents. But this would give you an idea of, oh, you know, I almost don't want to do this. This is supposed to be, you know, this is specific to us, and this is supposed to be open ended. So maybe if somebody wants a copy proposal, we can do that offline. Let's just keep this generic, Steve. Let's go. Okay. To the <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, let's keep it let's keep it vanilla, right? Cuz that's what we wanted to do with this webinar. Okay. Well, All I right. do still want to see what Bvoip is capable of when it comes to PSA integration. Sure. Cuz so cuz that sounds cool, man. Yeah, so so again, we are a ConnectWise shop, uh but you're an Autotask shop. And by the way, uh hopefully if anyone's going down to ACL, uh Autotask Community Live next month or next week, right? Next month. Uh, let us know <laughs> and you can hang out with me and Steve. Uh, but anyway, um, it's going to be a good time. It will be a good time. So I heard, real there, quick, I heard there might be sharks. Well, I mean, you know, based on what happened in Houston, there might be sharks going down the free state, right? <laughs> Freeway, right? I, a question just popped up, man. What's up with the teddy bear? Where did that come from? I didn't see it. It just popped up in the Q and a. Oh, you know, that's Webley. He's my co-host. I uh, I forget to introduce him these days. He's I just assume everyone knows him. Oh, well, right on. Well, there's there's your answer. All right. So you see my screen, yes? Yes. All right. So there's a little tab here. Um, now, if you're an Autotask user, Autotask is completely web-based and has been for some time, right? Um, but if you are a ConnectWise shop, um, or another PSA for that matter, and we, we work with a lot of them, then, you know, we, we primarily work with the web-based version. You know, for those ConnectWise guys out there, if there's some on this webinar, do understand that they're planning to go away from the fat installer client. And they want to have just a completely web-based experience, you know, pretty much by the end of this year. About so, time. <laughs> Maybe they can do that with lab tech in the next decade. Sorry, hey, sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying any. That's all you, Steve. I'm not. Yeah, and it's, I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, yeah, I'm with you. You know, user experience is important. So anyway, you see this little widget that pops out. I'm using Chrome, mm -hmm. right? This little widget that pops out. When I make and receive a call to the phone system, the first thing I want to know is: is the phone system is the phone number that's come to me or gone out in the database, right? Okay. It's not in the data. If it's in the database, it's going to tell me, right? Because it's going to tell me it's going to immediately do a match. But if it's not in the database, I can immediately go in and start to search my Autotask database, ConnectWise database, whatever. Well, let me go back and look for George. And find all, you know, and search for companies, contacts, right? Usually if it's, a, you know, in service, a ticket-based situation, you want to find the individual, right? And so what's... Sorry, sorry if I'm interrupting, but sure. so I see some that have green icons, gray icons. So, so gray icons are companies and green okay. icons are contacts. Got it. Cause they both so, say CO, so it's not very helpful. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that's why At we least got the color coded. That's why we have the color coding, right? So you, okay. you pick the individual, right? And you notice mm -hmm. that by default, there's a checkbox here saying, hey, save this phone number because it's not in the database, right? And if it's not in the system, then it didn't happen. And you don't want to have the person call you the next time and not have the number, right? So it immediately will save it to the contact or company record. Or you can choose not to. I can just uncheck this, associate this call with George, and, you know, it won't save it. And then next time when George calls from that number, it's going to show up as an unfound number, and I just have to treat it the same way, right? So so I see it, it detected an opportunity. Well, actually, it detected – this is the quick search bar, right? This gives you the last 20 interactions with the system and that particular individual. Hmm. That could be tickets. That could be opportunities. That could be activities. And you can actually drill right into that. Like if I want to go right into that ticket in Autotask, I just click on this star, and it goes right into that ticket. That's pretty cool. Right. Now, how – so are you, are you telling me that this – can this associate a phone call with a ticket? Absolutely. And let me show you how that's done. So Please. you click you click this briefcase and you notice that immediately I have the option to create a new case or opportunity. But if I have an existing case or opportunity, I can scroll down, I can select that ticket, and now that is associated with the ticket and it creates an activity and a time entry depending on your default settings. Um, so it's pretty cool that uh, immediately, without even being into the system, I've, I've associated the call with the individual. I've made sure the phone number's in the database. I've attached it to a newer existing ticket. My time entry has been put in, uh, even, re even retro, right? Because I'm not actively wow. in this call. It'll go backwards in time and put that into the system, and as well as associate that within my, my activity. Wow. So... I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I'm not an idiot. I do know that ConnectWise is more powerful on the API side anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, Autotask is obviously a much better tool, except for the API. <laughs> so, <Okay>. so <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face. So with that said, um, can you do everything that you just showed me with Autotask yes. as well? Correct. Yes, you can do everything I just went through in this little pre demo presentation here in Autodesk. That is so cool. All right, so I know uh, uh, most of the other VoIP companies are, are what, like twenty four ninety nine, thirty bucks a user. Okay. Be be uh, VoIP. Oh, for for this integration. No, no, just just for be VoIP phone service yeah we don't charge you know not to get into the you know a sales pitch but we we do not have a per user per month price structure for our partners uh if you okay. bill that way that's totally up to you uh we actually provide you a flat um a flat fee based on the account size rather than a per user limit and so we don't really care about users it could be 10 100 1000 doesn't matter so interesting is there a minimum to get started as a partner? Uh, nope, no minimum. It can are be there any? Account. Are they? Are there any? Account size, I guess. But yeah. Are there any fees to get started as a partner? Um, it, it usually depends on your size. Sometimes um, there is a small one-time fee. You know, to get get okay. started, you're talking like sub five hundred dollar fee. You know, a couple hundred okay. bucks. Um, you know, sometimes we waive it depending on the scenario. It all depends, but yeah. And, and what does that fee actually accomplish? 
a lot of it is a lot of our our secret sauce at Bevoip is just onboarding, right? We don't like to just hand you keys and expect you to drive the car and know how it works. So we spend a lot of time um, going through a crash course with you, training, onboarding, best practices, help you set up the system, you know, get all that jazz to a point where you're comfortable, right? Um, actually, we don't. Um, you know, just like any other project, you know, even MSP, the majority of your time is going to be upfront. And then hopefully you get to a point where everything's comfortable and it dies down a bit, but we actually don't cap people on the amount of training time they need. So a lot of times what happens is somebody comes on board, we help them get their system up and running or their first customer system up and running. And then maybe they come back and they need more time or they need more insight on a particular process or what have you. So we just let you block as much time as you need. Cool. Yep. Now, someone asked a question, what is pricing based on size? Like, is that size of me as the partner or per mm -hmm. client or? Yeah, so we base our, we base our sizing on um, the, on the account size based on maximum active calls. So it starts off at four, eight, 16, 32, 64, so on and so forth. Got so, it. So yep. instead of per user unlimited lines, so to speak, you're yep. almost saying, we'll give you X number of lines and we don't care how many users you have. Right. Concurrent calls. Um, we don't include dial tone. You, you can, we have dial tone partners that we, we bring right into the conversation if you don't have one or some people already have a relationship with a SIP provider and you can just register your SIP provider to our platform if you want. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, the SaaS or software platform. Uh, if you would, the core PBX platform. And there's actually a whole RMM component to it uh, where, you know, that I didn't even have a chance to, to touch on and not that I would in this webinar. Um, we give you the whole um, kit and caboodle for just a flat fee. Okay. And then, um, hmm. So, okay, so this person asked, um, and I, I believe the answer is yes. So you're only providing a portion of the VoIP solution. So you're providing, you're providing the phone system while somebody else would provide the phone. We're, phone. Not, a, we're not a carrier. We're not a dial tone carrier, a CLEC, an ILEC, an interconnected VoIP provider, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we, are a, we view ourselves as a SaaS company. Um, there's a lot of dial tone solutions out there, especially if you run into a scenario where your customer is into a contract for like a POTS or a PRI or something like that. We could even incorporate that into the platform in the cloud. So my point to you is that, yeah, we leave that door open. We don't force the conversation. We have the answers lined up, ready to go, and very easy to, to say, yes, that works. Let's do it. Uh, but in the same token, yeah, we're, we're not in the carrier dial tone business because that's not what we do. Um, but it is part, it is a part of the story, but even still those pricing strategies on the dial tone, like, and I touched on some of them earlier in the, in the, in the webinar, they're all over the map are really easy to consume. So it's not like, for example, uh, your customer has eight K, uh, they have a triple play with the cable company. They have eight voice lines and a fax line. Uh, sometimes you'll keep the fax line with the cable company to keep the triple play pricing. You take the seven lines that they would use for phone calls. And now you know that they need seven outside lines. So I'd maybe pitch them on an eight simultaneous call platform, you know, account and then get them seven, seven lines, seven trunks. Um, it's pretty easy to do. Okay. And then, um, ballpark just because i i'm not a a very proficient voip guy so yep. ballpark what does a, a sip trunk cost 
Like I'm sure there's probably good, better, best places out there. I'm sure there's a bargain company out there for someone that gets, you know, three to 10 calls a day. What, what kind of pricing should they expect to pay for a SIP trunk? Yeah. I mean, it's all over the map. Um, you know, you could get a SIP trunk for as cheap as uh, $14.99, uh, okay. all inclusive. Sometimes you want to, you know, sometimes that company takes forever, right? Or whatever. So it could be anywhere from, you know, 15 bucks. It could go to 20, 25. It could be, hey, we charge you for, we don't charge you per line. We just charge you for bundled minutes, like I said earlier in the webinar. So instead of uh, you paying uh, 20 bucks a line or whatever, all inclusive, they say, hey, you need uh, 25,000 minutes and you can have as many lines as your phone system will chew. Um, so that 25,000 minutes will cost you uh, 150 bucks, right? So it, it's, you kind of need to play off of the customer's existing requirements, which is why getting that bill copy is important. Uh, but the cool part about that scenario, right? The, hey, not per line per month strategy, but the, um, you know, unlimited lines, if you would, and bundled minutes is let's say you get a 16 or a 32 size simultaneous call account, uh, then immediately you have 16 or 32 outside lines uh, and so on and so forth. So the size of the account means that that's how many outside lines you would have. Excellent. So you being a SaaS provider, are you, yep. are you like, because um, I know you said you do the 4, 8, 16, yada, 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 yada. Yep. So, so let's say, let's not worry about the number of lines. Let's just say it's a four line or an eight line. Who cares? Yep. Is it the price is the price and whatever integrations you need are there at your disposal? Or is it, here's the base software Here's if you want Autotask, here's if you want Salesforce, here's if you want Zapier, you know, whatever. Yep. Some of this stuff is just baked in and there's no okay. additional costs. Some of this stuff in its basic form. And then some of the costs, if you need the more, um, like the Autotask and the ConnectWise integration specifically is a paid for. Um, now, the kind of cool part about what we did there with some of the more advanced integrations is we unbolted it from our solution, meaning like that, you know, usually when you go to a company and you, you have to get their system to get the integration, uh, we decided to make this a bolt-on solution. So if you do have a BVoIP PBX account, then we give it to you at a highly reduced price. But if you can't rip and replace for whatever reason or just don't want to uh, we do have a list of phone systems that we support in many cases where you can bolt it on of course we charge a bit more for that but it, it is available that way very cool yep. um now what what is your bvoip website is it bvoip.com yeah just bvoip.com um just like you would expect it and i'm gonna go there right now and there you go and i and i see you have an an integrations tab. Does this show every integration that you offer? Every integration that's available today. Uh, we have more that are about to be launched, but yes, that integrations tab shows something like 150 plus integrations. That is honestly, that is incredible. Now, so I see you've got uh, LabTech, AEM, Kaseya. How yep. on earth is your phone system integrating with those? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. So we actually have a, a cool strategic partnership uh, for critical alerting with uh, a company out of Boston called OnPage or OnPage. 
we did a tie-in for OnPage into our platform uh, to replace the answering service, right? Hey, call comes in after hours, you know, and you want to be able to, well, I'm getting like 10,000 alerts here. Uh, a call comes in after hours and you want to be able to um, route that call to a group of people based on a schedule, um, you know, and not worry about a human being forgetting to pick up their cell phone, what have you, versus text messaging, versus the phone ringing. So we felt that there was a need for that in the MSP space. So what we did was we had a pretty cool investment uh, that we did with uh, OnPage and building out integrations and just continued that. Uh, so not only does it have a VoIP angle to it, it has an RMM play where, for example, if your RMM, like it's just the noise, Steve, right? How many alerts do you get a day? I mean, these RMMs sometimes generate hundreds or thousands of alerts. I, I get so, at least six alerts okay. every day at, at least. So so my point is some are some are busier, some are more important than others, right? right. So if you have a server raid failure imminent or site offline or you hit a certain uh, mix of settings in your auto task that says, hey, it's a combination of critical status with an SLA that's that's now over the limit with whatever, and I now need to flag people. Um, there needs to be a way to do that where they're getting the message, right? Not just emails in the list of a thousand emails. So my point to you is that, um, you know, there's a cool, yeah, there's a cool, you know, tie in there, uh, not just from a telephony standpoint, but from a alerting standpoint, just in general during the day. So, so looking through here mm -hmm. now, now I think I'm starting to understand kind of how this works. So, you know, you got PRTG and AEM and TigerPaw and so on and so forth. And these all say alerts integration. Correct. So so anything that says alerts integration, I think, is using that on-page system you just mentioned, correct? Correct. And so we have a strategic play there. We offer it through BVoIP. Uh, we obviously invested in getting those integrations to tie in. But in all fairness, any system that can send out as simple as an email uh, could trigger an on-page uh, triage. So it's pretty cool. You know, and I see uh, SAP on here, and my uncle is an SAP consultant, so I think yep. I might need to uh, get you two connected. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, obviously integrations is a big part of our story, so I appreciate you kind of digging into that. Um, you know, we're going to continue down that line, and a lot of our, our magic from an integration standpoint is really into our you know, uh, also into our central management platform. You know, we feel like we're almost building out a VoIP RMM play um, where we can manage all those devices out there that are, you know, across all your customers from a telephony standpoint and a VoIP standpoint and manage them and run commands against groups of devices and schedule those types of things. So we're really, that's why, we, again, we don't really view ourselves as a hosted VoIP company per se. Yeah, we are in that arena without question but we really view ourselves as a SaaS player, a SaaS company, so. Awesome. So I just launched a poll. I was supposed to do this before the webinar and uh, I forgot. <laughs> so with that said, if you guys could just look and uh, take, I don't know, 30 seconds to fill out the answers, I think, um, I, I think that'd be cool just to, just to get you know, kind of, kind of where you're at today. Uh, don't worry. It's not like a, a sales thing. It's, it's just a poll. I promise. Um, right on. So I see you've got an integration with connect booster. 
Yes, sir. I, I use Connect Booster. I love Connect Booster. I mean, the guys over, in, I've been to Fargo, been to the Connect Booster office a couple of times now. Very friendly with the Brady and Ryan and, and Dave and the guys over there. They're, they're good friends of mine, um, I, I would call it, say at this point. So yeah, the integration with Connect Booster was around, um, yeah, so obviously there's the portal for Connect Booster. So you can go in and schedule and pay and automate payments and stuff. What if you have a guy that just is on the fly? I mean, I travel a ton. And I do last year I did 169,000 miles in the air. I uh, did another 30,000 miles in my car. <laughs> so my point to you is I'm on the road, you know, I just don't have time to be in front of a computer all the time. What if I just want to call in and pay the bill on the phone? Like, you know, like you would get from other companies. So we did build out an integration with connect booster for that. So you can actually call in and pay your bill over the phone. Now is, is that an included integration? It's a separate integration. Of course it is, George. <laughs> and yeah. how on earth are you are you integrating IT Glue? What could that possibly do for me? So it's something we've been working on with Chris Day and the team for a while now. Uh, IT Glue and Fully Managed, their parent MSP, use BVoIP internally. Um, we've decided, you know, we've had the request from Chris for a long time to uh, use their now publicly facing API so that we can take all of the pieces that we already track in our central platform and be able to break those out into flexible assets and configurations within IT Glue, which if you're using the two-way sync in IT Glue could then circle back into your PSA on the other side. So things like uh, auto attendant routings and DIDs and phone MAC addresses, serial numbers and firmware versions and you name it, right? I mean, we're tracking a whole ton of stuff and we can make that stuff, you know, present that stuff, you know, within their platform. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. And then I see uh, a bunch of these integrations have the word advanced next to them. Correct. The basic integrations are the ones that are available basically, you know, as part of the base platform. So you just a turn on, turn off. They're not stellar. They're, they're there. You know, they do, the basic functions that you would expect them to do the so those are the ones that are we don't usually charge extra for the advanced integrations are the ones that come at an additional price point so uh, because they obviously do more and we feel that there's you know a cost value to it so you know that's the difference between basic and advanced and i see that there's a connectwise basic and a connectwise advanced correct uh, connectwise basic is just you know, it actually doesn't have anything to do with ticketing, which almost doesn't even make sense. Uh, it just does screen pops for contacts. It does a, um, uh, a activity creation under a contact or a company. Um, you know, it's just a really basic click to dial type scenario. Uh, but if you want opportunities and tickets and time entries and activities and, and, you know, to be able to retro events back into the PSA after the fact, right? Like if I go in to my little widget here, I can see all of my phone calls and actually I can go back into my pop out and see all of my recent calls. Well, if none of these are matched, well, I'm doing a pretty shit job making sure that the stuff's getting into the system. So I can retro and go back and make sure every single phone call, whether I took the call on my mobile while I was on the road through the soft phone or through the phone system, or whether I just wasn't around my computer, I can go back and retro all of that uh, into the PSA. And uh, I see you've got a bunch in there that are not matched. So does that mean you, George, are doing a pretty shit job? I would say for the last couple of years, <laughs> so I've done a pretty shit job of getting it into the system. Yes, I'll totally admit that. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um, 
So I'm looking, we've got uh, 64% of the people have done this poll. Uh, I think I'll, I'm just going to end the poll and share the results because I, I think that's been enough time for everyone, I, I hope. So do you see these results, George? I do. So the okay. I see 11 people say they already use a VoIP solution today. So that's good. Which, which, so everyone that's responded to the poll, everyone uses VoIP. Yep. So, but I didn't say, yes, you know, I use Ring Central or yes, I just use whatever Time Warner gives me, you know, so VoIP, I think, is a, a pretty broad term at this point these yeah. days. Um, of course, the very next question is, does your company have a VoIP partnership and only two answered? No. Um, so a lot of people say that they may have some, they have more than one. I'm white labeling something, right? So it's all over the map. Uh, quite, quite a few of them, six, uh, more than half the people that answered are a channel partner. They do the sales lay work. They provide the service um, and handle the billing. And and they, I'm sorry, the IT people do the sales leg work. The VoIP yep. company does the service and handles the billing. And then the IT people just get the commission payout. And yep. um, I'll, I'll be honest, that's how I do it now. Yep. And I like it. Uh, let's see. Would you like to offer VoIP to your customers if you don't already? Um, I forgot to put NA. <laughs> so there's just a lot of no's. Sure. Um, my apologies. No Do you have a fully managed services offering? Most of them said yes. Do you bill per user or device? I was just curious. And um, most yes. of them, yeah, I mean, it's either per device or per user. It, it's it's pretty half and half there. Then one person is per user plus sites. Um, PSAs. Like you, got, like you got more task guys that have submitted than ConnectWise. For, you know, it makes you feel good there, Steve. It does make me feel good. Um, again, this was supposed to be done before the webinar, so I think there would have been a lot more of wait, that's possible, heck yeses, than uh, that that one guy was just not paying attention as we went over <laughs> this for the last twenty minutes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got we've got a lot of people that say yes. So I'm going to ask the question for the people. Yes, sir. The people's champion. The people. So the people need to know, George, yes. what does it cost? And let's just say it's, it's a company that all they need is a four line. Yep. What's it going to cost a company to get a four line uh, with an auto task or connect wise integration? Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't usually like to put, pricing out on the street just because we want to protect our resellers to be able to, you know, meet their, you know, keep their margins, but to give you an idea, ballpark, um, you know, is it more or less than 500? It would be way less, way is it less. more or less than 100. Uh, if you, depending on the number of, you know, so the PSA integration here with Autotask and ConnectWise is done on a per user per month, right? Because not everybody in the organization needs it, which made sense to do that. Okay. Um, so the question is how many users <laughs> on let's, that? Let's just, let's just say one. Sure. One's a good number. Yeah, it's a great number. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, it could be less. It could be less than 100. Okay. And then from there, they would still need to get their SIP trunk or trunks 
Correct. And that would that would be, let's say they went with the affordable $15 one. They yep. would need to get four of those to have it work for each line? Correct. It's an all-inclusive, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we could be closer to 200 though. Uh, depends. It all depends. You could be at the 150-ish mark. You could be at the... You know, you could be at the, if you're with, if you're on the Beeve website, we do kind of discount the integration a bit. So you could be closer to the 125-ish one. You know, you could maybe squeeze it in. It's possible at your cost without reselling it, just your cost. It's maybe possible to get it, you know, closer to the 100. Okay. So yeah. now that doesn't sound as scary as what I assumed this would cost. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely, when we first launched this out of our MSP, separated the companies out, we definitely had a minimum we were after, you know, to kind of start the foundations of our company. We wanted some of the larger guys out there to help kind of validate it. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we obviously opened that up over time. So now we've made it a little bit more consumable to, you know, not have minimums and not have a very large upfront, you know, concern. So, yeah. You know, we've kind of leveled the playing field a bit. I like it. So uh, I think my last question is, how do people reach out to you and yeah. say, hey, George, we love it. We want to partner with you. We need to learn some more. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep, I, you know, you can always, you know, call us here at BVOIP or, you know, right on our contact page here. You can see our numbers, um, you know. You can see we have our, our U.S. number right there up front right here. Uh, there is a partner, uh, you know, on our partners tab, there is a, uh, you know, partner program page. And you can actually at the bottom of that put in a interest in becoming a partner and fill that out and we'll, we'll get back to you. Uh, we do have our guys on chat. I kind of killed the chat here, but it does pop up. You can always talk to us. We're, we're on chat uh, for a good part of the day. Uh, you could always email me as well. Um, so if you, if you want to do that, um, first initial last name at bvoid.com. Uh, so yeah, it can get to us a lot of different ways. Awesome. Thank you so much, George, even though I asked you tough questions at the end. No problem. Um, I mean, I tried to answer them as best I could. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I get it. We, we want to, we want to be helpful, but secretive. <laughs> it's, more, it's more about you, you gotta you gotta protect the partners man i yeah, get it it's, it's, it's all good it, right we, we're channel only we don't sell direct right so it's more about us protecting our partners so right so yeah. so if i call you yep. you will give me a price it's right. it's not it's not a dance of no. what, what do you want to pay as a, as, <laughs> yeah, no. as, a, as a reseller you know a potential partner for that matter because you don't necessarily have to resell we will give you a price over the phone, but we won't sell direct to an end customer, right? So if we get somebody who's Wonderful. not an IT or MSP shop calling us saying, hey, I'm a school, I'm a company, I'm an internal IT director, and I'm looking for this, we would refer them back out to somebody who's in our partner base. So. Now, what if they're not an IT shop? What if they are a web design company? But yeah. maybe yeah. they have an opportunity to resell it. You know, maybe they do sales of uh, uh, Infusionsoft for websites. Um, we would, at this juncture, still push them to a partner. Um, really? Yep. We don't sell direct. Um, we only sell through a partner channel right now. Yep. So, so I guess what I'm saying is you would not allow a web design, like a local web design company, 
to become a partner so that way they could resell it with the Infusionsoft integration? If the web design company is going to start doing some sort of IT or managed services and make sure that the networking is done properly and they're going to offer ah. that as a vertical as their practice, possibly. Uh, but again, it doesn't make sense for us to sign up people who are going to not have the networking and technology infrastructure part down and just go and expect to plug something in. I think that's counterintuitive. And we're right there in the Ring Central 8x8, Nextiva, Jive, et cetera, game where there's going to be a high churn. You know, at Beavwave, we have a really low churn, like at sub 2%. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So um, I see under partners, yep. if you wouldn't mind hovering over that again. Yep. I, I do see there's a referral program also. Yeah. So if you're a Beavoy partner and you refer another IT company uh, or MSP to join our program and they decide to stick around and, and do it, then uh, so yeah, we actually give out a referral credit. So. Okay. So you hear that guys, you tell George that you, you heard about it through this webinar and he's going to give me lots of money. Ah, well, you got to be a partner first. To Darn it, George. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'd love to give everybody free money. Yes, that is a caveat. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. George, this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Even though it was last minute, you did a phenomenal job. Um, the information you showed us was great. I love, I love the integrations that, that BVoip offers. And I, I love what you, sh you showed people for you know, how to do some best practices when it comes to pitching this stuff. I do know that uh, one person said he would love to see the proposal. Yep. So, so if, maybe if you have time, if you, know, if you want to, yeah. Well, I actually, I actually do have to jump off and I, you know, I went 30 shoot, minutes into the call. So maybe I can shoot, shoot some, it. shoot yeah. something over if you don't yep. mind. Sure. Um, and then maybe I can just pop it up on the Patreon if you don't mind. That that's fine. I'll try and pull a sample proposal out. Cool. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. You have, have yourself a, a wonderful day. You too. Thanks a lot, everyone, for joining. Thanks, George. Bye-bye. I guess I could stop being live on YouTube now. There we go. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I feel like that went really well. I'm going to uh close that still hearing myself oh that's so frustrating it opened it up twice all right i'm gonna promote everyone to panelist and we're gonna have fun now Chris is driving yep. sideways. I am very special. You're still live on YouTube, I think. <clears throat> Interesting. Yep, this is still live. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.